Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Rudo and AJ Hayfley here with you to talk a little bit more hockey on today's show. Talk about player empowerment in the NHL and why they have so little of it as far as contracts are concerned. We'll also be getting into some of the all-time underrated avs. But first, before all of this... A.J. Hayfley has uh, an interesting Christmas gift to show off to the world, I believe. So, you know, know, put it like that. (laughs) I have I have a I have a wonderful fiance who makes me exceedingly happy, but she is also ultra Canadian. And, uh, you know, I am not despite my hat. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so she she loves to bring this up. By the way, this is like one of her favorite things to bring up. But decided for Christmas that I should get some light reading <laughs> in the form of this wonderful children's book. Oh, yeah, damn. it's like yeah. it's a full on like book too, right? It has like yeah. dozens of pages. Yeah, it's. Maybe a dozen pages. Yeah, in fact, like a, exactly the length of a children's like picture book. Amazing! Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. Why is Ryan Kessler smiling? Game's not over. Oh, that's that's not the golden goal. Okay, I see. Yeah, game's not over. I just opened it to a random page. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Truly, the troll of all trolls. And when AJ showed this to me, not only is it an excellent troll gift, first of all, because Canadia, Canadia, yeah, sure, Canadia lived and died on that goal, but it brought up a conversation about how at the top of the game, the reason Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby is because he was always there in moments like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just this guy's the best player in the league. It was when you expect Crosby to show up, he does. It's somewhat like Michael Jordan in the NBA, you know? And look, there's plenty of situations where those guys failed, but they were there often enough that that's how you build a reputation. Yep. It's. I mean, he was. He, Sidney Crosby, I mean, it got us started on the conversation of, you know, you and I are both draft guys. Yeah. We love the draft. We love following the the, the prospects that are up and coming, all of that, right? But really, like, how often do we always, do we talk about guys who are, like, the next great superstar? You know? Yep. In 15 and 16, you had three franchise caliber centers. You know, you had you had Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. All those guys go. All those guys have lived up to 
the hype in terms of being great players, none of them have won anything. I think Connor McDavid leads playoff rounds one, one to nothing. So, yeah. Not a whole lot of substance has happened there. A lot of goals, a lot of assists, and a lot of points scored. But nothing meaningful. Nothing that, like, great, you you have franchise centers to build around, but you're trying to win something to do it. You know, you Nathan McKinnon did, was, was incredible and was very highly hyped for many years before his draft year. And then his draft year showed up, and he wasn't even clearly the best player on his own team. Yep. Like, Jonathan Duran, I mean, it's funny to think about now, but Jonathan Duran was insane next to him in Halifax. They were incredible. And even those two guys together weren't like the clear-cut top dudes because Seth Jones was out there. And then Sasha Barkov went second. And in hindsight, justifiably so. It was, and, and like, while those guys have all become, well, Three of those guys have, I would say, lived up to the potential of, you know, two franchise centers, one MVP candidate, and a Norris candidate in Jones, while Duran has not. But even then, you can't you can't look at those guys and say that they've ticked every box. And that's that's what made Sidney Crosby so incredible. Is you look at that guy, look at the just look at the hardware that he has. That- you know he. Had, just incredible. Just about the only thing he didn't win is the Calder because of Ovi. But it, in his second year in the league, he won the heart. Four years into the league, he had his first cup. He now has three Stanley Cups. He's won the Richard. He's run the Art Ross. He's won multiple hearts. He's won the Messier Award, whatever. Won multiple Con Smythes as well in the back-to-back cup years. He's just an absolute monster in a way that when they talk about the next ones, right? Mm-hmm. Crosby was the the first true next one after after Gretzky retired. Basically, there were a couple yeah. guys in there that never really had a chance to live up to it. But there were some great players because, like Lindros, was supposed to be the next, like the guy that changed hockey, right? Yeah. And there were there was another guy in his era that was pretty similar to him that. And, you know, they got certainly, traded for each other. And certainly neither of those guys are going to be making our underrated list today. <laughs> so. Yeah. so, you know, those guys were both Hall of Fame players and were incredible, of course. But you're talking like guy that has the hype attached to him and then rolls into the league and actually lives up to it. Now, what we're seeing with Connor McDavid is incredible. The run, the, the run that he's had to start his career has been amazing, but it's been meaningless. Yeah, there's there's more to it than just being the best player in the league, which McDavid arguably is or has been throughout his career so far. But so what? <laughs> he has a heart trophy? Cool. What does that do for the Edmonton Oilers? What does that do for a superstar in the league? He has so far to go to live up to what Crosby has done. And and you even mentioned this goes beyond the NHL with your book of, of winning a gold medal at the Olympics. He has a Mem yeah. Cup championship as well in, in juniors. Um, yeah, he's won worlds too, I think. But Yeah, he's got the triple gold club because he won a WJC, he won a world championship, and he won an Olympic gold. Yep. Guy is everything. And then he has a cup for each one of those. So Right. He's got three Stanley Cups. I, I mean... 
his trophy, and it's it's incredible because we talk about him like people get tired of talking about him because the NHL spent a decade cramming that guy down everybody's throats. Oh, Sidney Crosby this, and Sidney Crosby that, and Pittsburgh had thirty games a year that were on national television. You know, like yep. it was all Crosby, and so we all got burned out on it, and we're like, God, we're so sick of hearing about this guy. But you go and you just look at his career. It's, He's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. And it's not to take away from from a guy like McKinnon, from a guy like McDavid. It's not to say what they're doing isn't amazing, but Crosby is just on a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, he has 1,200 points in 984 games. Yep. And, and you look at, well, when you look at, we talk about, well, we've talked on the show about how Gretzky's goal scoring award will stand. Will probably stand because Ovi got jobbed by Ovi. Yeah, blockouts basically. Ovi Ovi got gypped, but the one thing that Ovi did was stay healthy. You yep. look at you look at Crosby's career, and you look at the the seasons that he's lost. Yep. To due to injury, you know, even last year he only played forty one games. You know, he had a three year stretch where he played regular season games. 41, 22, and 36 games. Now, the 36-game one, I'm pretty sure, was the 48-point lockout season. Uh, but then he was back to normal. But you're talking right in the heart of his prime. Yep. Had those Guys, issues. Yeah. And then even earlier in his career, had a had a 53-game season. Like, the injuries have kept his numbers from being even more incredible. I just, it, it, he's a marvel. I mean, he's been a point-per-game player every single season he's been in the NHL. The only time it was even close was this last year when he had 47 points in 41 games. Colin asks, this may be a stupid question, but do you think Ovi will be a better career if he passes Gretzky in goals than Crosby with his three cups? I would say no. Uh, career-wise, Crosby no. is significantly better. And honestly, Ovi passing Gretzky or not doesn't even matter. Ovi could retire today and should be known as the greatest goal scorer ever. I would agree. Uh, and I would I would just say, look, they, they probably made each other better. Yep. And boy, did they come close to being teammates. Yeah. <laughs> and how One different is... Different, yeah. How how different is history of Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin switch teams? Dude, Pittsburgh probably has more than three cups right now. I mean, you have the greatest goal scorer ever, and then arguably the second greatest center ever. Yep. I don't know, man. I think that's there's a world where Ov Crosby and Mario Lemieux all played on the same team. That'd be cool. <laughs> For like five minutes, but it'd yeah, be cool. it didn't last. Very, it wouldn't have lasted very long, but still, that'd be that'd be something else for sure. So, it's just an interesting conversation in general yeah. about how it's funny. This this bleeds over into the video game industry too, uh, which we do our other podcast on. Where once a hype train gets rolling on a guy, it's virtually impossible to live up to it. Right, I mean, I mean, from the gaming side, and this is this would be a great pod for us to have if I if I have a chance to this week. Um, but I mean, you look at like the the issues that are going on with Cyberpunk right now. Yep, that game has been hyped forever. 
you look at you look at all the hype that came attached to Skyrim. People waited six years for that game, and while certainly a lot of people believe it lived up to the hype, that game is still getting released with game breaking bugs as a huge feature. Yep, it's it's insane. Like the how hard it is for this stuff to to live up to. It, yeah, you know? it, it's this is. Public a perception great... is very difficult. <laughs> yeah. this, this question from Colin kind of blows my mind. The other Colin says, "Do the do the pens take Taves over John over Jordan Stahl if they had uh, Ovi selected instead of Malkin?" Dude, maybe. <laughs> and then what does what <laughs> happens to hell? history? Do those, do, those cups, do those cups just go to Pittsburgh then? Pittsburgh has we're, six cups, and they're the we're modern about, dynasty. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about seven or eight Stanley Cups in a in a twenty year period. Man, what a world that would be! That would have been that, and had that. Let's just let's just get this out of the way now. That would have been better than the Oilers dynasty. Yeah, I pretty easily, I would say. I don't know how they would have managed it salary cap wise. Yeah, there's, there's the problem. Early in their careers, it sure would have been fun. In, in this world, Crosby also wears 45, so he takes a $4.5 million salary every time instead of 87. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we can take our first period break there. Let you guys know about Breckenridge Brewery. I got their agave wheat shirt on right now with well over 20 flavors at this point. Get their Christmas beer, by the way, while it's out there. won't be out there for that much longer. It's absolutely delicious. Perfect flavor for the holidays. Go online, search for their Breck beer locator. Find it in a local liquor store near you and pick that up. We also have WGT Golf, our gaming sponsor. Have another tournament coming up this weekend where you have a chance to win some free DNVR merch. To enter, all you have to do is go to DNVR Golf to download the game and then search for DNVR4 to join our fourth clubhouse. Play, wow, excuse me, play in the clubhouse tournament. And then at the final screen, once you're done, take a screenshot of your final score and send it into info at thednbr.com and you will be entered to win your chance at some free dnvr merch second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook let's get into kind of the topic of today aj which inspired by Giannis antetokounmpo signing in milwaukee for what's expected to be like the super duper ultra max contract that you can have in the nba five years 222 million dollars just absurd amount of money right and there. Unlike Patrick Mahomes's half a billion dollar deal, all that money is guaranteed. That's a lot of money guaranteed. Dude, I, okay, let's let's just since we're at this point of the offseason. Yep. What are the first five things? Let's say three things so we don't spend too much time on it, but sure. First three things you do. You sign that contract. You're set for life. Obviously, you don't get that $200 million right then, but you've already made millions of dollars, and now you no longer have to worry about any of this. Fat signing bonus. What are the Uh, first three things that you do? Buy a house. Buy a car. Probably buy a computer that is 
far too overpowered for any normal human being. <laughs> that's that, the first three things. That's the first three things that you do with that money. Yep. You wouldn't. You wouldn't take like an insane vacation. Nah, dude, I'm not a vacation person. I vacation for me is sitting at home playing video games. <laughs> yeah, like you and I, you and I are perfectly happy to be like, oh, what's that? We have five days to stay inside the house. That's, that's all right. I change my answer instead of the computer. Pay off all my debt is what I would do. But oh, okay, I'm good with that. I mean, those are all those are all practical. I was hoping that we would have more a more. Fun I'm not. Direction. Yeah, I have nothing. Like this is my problem. If I was ever that rich, I just wouldn't know what to do with my money. Like, I'd I'd buy the necessities, and I'd probably buy like a couple cool things. Okay, so more specifically, what kind of car would you get? I've always. I, mean, I, I assume you would upgrade. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I I wouldn't go into like the super duper high end, but I've always wanted a Corvette, so I would buy a two seater Corvette that I could drive around in comfort, and then I'd buy a second car for like daily driving, regular, yeah. yeah, regular use. Yeah. So you would buy a sports car that you can't drive like four months of the year. Because of where you live and would just kind of sit there and just age out on you and would have a ton of problems. It would be fine. I, I've, okay. if, especially if I'm making $222 million over the next five years. Would you Would you have, is there like a thing that you would have? Like Jay Leno has like sports cars where he's got like, a, like an armada of really high-end sports cars. Is there like a thing that you would have where you're just like, I have the money. I could I could afford to totally do this really ridiculous and potentially ostentatious thing. Uh two things that I would consider. One is computers. Mhm. I would try to have like it wouldn't be a collector's thing so much, but I would love a like all dozens of computers with like ridiculous space, probably like a server rack, all sorts of crazy stuff, but for collection it would be, I think it'd be too hard to actually collect them all at this point, but game worn jerseys of everyone who has worn an Avs jersey would be super cool. That'd be interesting. What about game issued? If you couldn't get to game yeah, worn? If it came down to that, sure, game issued would be fine. That'd like, be interesting. The, uh, and some of those would be like. The Martin Cout uh, Stadium Series jersey is literally like a one of a kind game issue. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, that's what, interesting. What about yourself? What what you got over there? I mean, when we say I, I probably wouldn't buy a house so much as I'd build one. And yeah, that's that's probably a better way to put it. Customize the crap out of it. I've always yeah. wanted like a home theater. And so it would be a home theater with the ability, of course, with the ability to watch all the sports and yeah, yeah. absolutely to be able to turn on esports when certain things were going on, like right now. It, um, I very much imagine it like a sports book, right? Where you have like big main screens, but you have like dozens of other screens as well. Yeah, like the side screens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Where you can kind of just keep an eye on it. I would also, what I would take from the sports book is my coffee table would actually be one of those touchscreen TVs. 
Oh yeah. Uh, with the ability to with the ability to go with four picture and picture screens at the same time. Yep. And all you have to do is flip through to be able to just just touch the screen and to 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 change any and all of it. Um, when I was in MGM Grand one time, Jay and I spent an entire day betting on college football and then watching all those games on that coffee table. Nice. It was, oh, dude, it was such an awesome day. (laughs) Uh, and then, so I would do, I would do that. Uh, I would probably have like a basketball court or a tennis court, something like that inside my house just because I could. Yep. I I just think a, a hockey rink would probably just be. I, th- I feel like the upkeep and the maintenance on that thing would be a nightmare for sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. it would be really, really difficult. Whereas a basketball court just kind of hangs out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd have a really like customized house, you know, Good call um, for sure. with, with a special emphasis on like my, my working area, I'd have an office with, Oh yeah, totally. That totally have like a recording room and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would have I would have um, like custom custom ordered Mass Effect art, you know, Halo art, maybe even something from Guild Wars, Guild Wars Two. Get the I've always wanted a painting of my Guild Wars Two character because he just looks so awesome. The art style is just so cool. Hell yeah! Uh, and I just love like the armor and everything that I did. For that character, I just, he just looks awesome. So, a painting of that. Um, I would definitely, I would, I would pay off my mom's house and make sure that my mom is like set for sure so that she never has to go to work again. Like, mom's, mom's is done working if she wants to be. If she wants to keep working, have at it. But if she wanted to just live off of me and travel and do everything that I you got, could. It. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would make sure. Number one would be making sure that mom's is taken care of. And then the house, and then cars. I don't cars been kind of weird about the car thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe I would do cars. How about this? Have the complete Steam library. Oh, I mean, dude, that's that's <laughs> like um, there would be a no like People, people within my web would be like people are getting games that was like sent to them. I would, I would be like the first probably week or so there would be a ton, a ton of hooking people that I care about up who have, who have been there for me over the years to, to, to make sure that they were all good. Like brother and sister, you know, sister's getting a place that she would be very comfortable in to continue raising her three kids so that my nephews are set. They get a good education and they get set up to have dope lives. Yep. You know, my brother gets taken care of. His kids are already grown up and gone, so there's little less that I can do for them <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but, you know, make sure that make sure that my brother is comfortable, all of that, right? Like, yep. close friends, gaming, anything. Like, we're talking... You got a you got a college debt, something like that. That you want me to be a student loan that I can pay off for you. Boom, that's happening. I would absolutely, I would invest in all of the people around me who have who have helped get me to where I am. I would one hundred percent that man. No doubt about that. Yeah, <clears throat> that would be that's yeah. I would probably overdo it where people would be like, okay, I feel real guilty about this, and I'd be like, that's because we're cool. <laughs> I would feel guilty if I was in your position, but I'd still be saying yes. Yep. Like you can try and make my life easier. 
not gonna fight you on that. <laughs> right. So that's what I, I would try and you know I would give I would give Brandon whatever money he oh, needed yeah. to totally. do like DNVR DNVR. Do you have a full vision yeah. for this thing? Go do it, bud. DNVR is going national tomorrow. <laughs> Straight up, dude. Like the athletic the athletic gonna have a very very different competitor on its hands. Yep. So, so would would definitely do something like that. One hundred percent would get in would get involved in that space. It's just too much money, man. Right. Even if even if even if I gave Brandon Spano ten million dollars and he in front of me flushes it down the toilet. All right, well I got two hundred and ten more coming. It's insane. It's actually yeah. insane amount of money. All all of this to to tie back in to the idea that when you look at the big four leagues especially when it comes to contract talks, they all have their different strengths and weaknesses, I guess, right? Like basketball, I think is the one that you end up talking about these super max contracts all the time. And yeah, then, then you have football where you do have these massive, massive contracts, but in football, a lot of the times there's the guaranteed money conversation, which, which right. changes things a lot for them. A lot of the guaranteed money happens in the first two years so that teams can move on um, yep. from players pretty quickly. And guys end up, you know, not that not that you're feeling bad that a guy got $60 million guaranteed, but when his contract is for $110 million, you're like, there's still $50 million to go, bud. Like, there's a lot of money you didn't get out of that deal. NBA deals, NHL deals, uh, it's not like the MLB deals. I mean, guaranteed yeah. money. And... And for the three that aren't hockey, the the money has the at least possibility of being absurdly more than it does in the NHL. Yeah, the NHL is easily the lowest. Um, where we get lost with the baseball salaries is that like the vast majority of baseball players play for less than a million dollars. Yep. Like the way that baseball system is set up is actually insane to me. Like the Rockies just cut loose David Dahl, who was an all-star two years ago. He signed a $3 million deal in free agency. Yep. That's insane. Mookie Betts might actually be making more than all minor league players combined at this point. Like <laughs> he probably, I, I wouldn't even say probably, man. I would say that that's, especially with the way that they just got, got a, bunch of, of a bunch of yeah. minor league teams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He could probably own the minor leagues when his contract is, is done. Probably. <laughs> Start the Mookie Betts League. Yeah. Like, I'm uh, with the way that, with the way, the, the big thing with the NBA, and this is the league that really started it with the player empowerment, is that they, they put a limit on length of contracts. So, yeah. like, Giannis signed a five year deal, but it's almost meaningless. You know, like, a year ago, the Clippers went all in on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and like, there's always there's always player options built in on these things. Yep. You know, technically, I think Anthony Davis is a free agent with the Lakers right now because he signed what was a, essentially a one year deal, and then he gets to opt out of it. And then yep. the next year, he just re-signs a two year deal. He opts out of that that after one year, and he just keeps you know more and more and more and more and so on and so forth. So that the franchises have maximum or the players have maximum leverage to over their franchises to say, keep me happy or I'm gone. A great example in baseball. Nolan Arenado's opt out has been a big contentious conversation in Colorado. So 
Yeah, a really, and that was that was a conversation because the GM came out and was like, "That was totally our idea." Yep, and everybody was like, "Are you an idiot?" <laughs> What's that now? It was your idea, <laughs> and now he's put in the position of maybe trading that Hall of Fame bound third baseman. Yep, for ten cents on the dollar. Meanwhile, in the NHL. There are no opt out or in clauses. Mm-hmm. You see, we already talked about Crosby's eight point seven million dollar thing. You regularly well, see players' his contract is outlawed. Yeah, his literally team, could not sign it today. There, they had to put a stop to those because teams were very clearly circumventing the cap with contracts like that because they wanted to pay Shea Weber for twenty years so they could pay him a million dollars for five years well, to bring down the cap hit they had to they had to void the Ilya Kovalchuk Devils contract because it was yep. like 17 years yep. and the last like four years of the deal were a million dollars or less yep and it was like he's not gonna play for any of that like this is it was just too obvious. So they closed that loophole and now it's a seven year maximum unless you played for the team. Now it's and then it's eight. And but even then, like you look at the hockey culture there, right? Even McDavid, considered the best player in the world, takes a discount on his contract. Yeah, I mean if Connor McDavid was a free agent after his ELC ended. Do you think he makes 12 and a half or do you think somebody gives him the max? Someone is throwing max money at him for sure. He'd be worth it too. Cause the max contract at the NHL is only at the time was only what? Like 13, 14. Yeah. And million he, dollars? he, he could even without free agency, he could have went to Edmonton and said, I want max money. And everyone in the hockey world would be like, yeah, he deserves it. Edmonton should probably pay him. He just had one of the greatest starts to career to a career in NHL history yeah. in terms of production. So, and yet you see him, it, it's not a huge discount or anything, but it is a discount. Yeah. I mean, it's 12 and a 12 and a half contracts are still chasing him. Yep. The next contract that we're talking about really significantly, like giving that an actual push, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. And, Kind of another guy where it's like, it, I don't think anyone would bat an eye if McKinnon ended up with a max contract. No, you know, and I, I know, I know that there was that quote a year ago where he was like, "Oh, of course I would take less to, to be competitive." Um, and so everybody thinks that he's going to sign for nine million dollars or some bullshit, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, he's going to make a ton of money. <laughs> Taking less is taking like twelve million dollars. <laughs> so like, yeah, taking taking less is still getting a seven or eight year deal, where you're like, oh, this is a hundred million dollar contract in the NHL. Still, yeah. So and he's you can't argue against it. What are you going to say? Like, oh, he might he might age poorly in his age thirty three year, like. Yeah, he might, or he may not, and you still have a Hall of Famer on your hands who's still kicking ass and leading you to the postseason every year and giving you a chance to win a cup every single season. Yep. It, it, it's tough to argue against, and look, I understand the NHL financially is, is certainly the smallest of the big four. Definitely. But 
when you start to see, I mean, just how absurd the gaps are becoming between these NBA contracts, particularly the NBA contracts, as it's usually seen as the NHL's biggest competitor, compared to the NHL ones, where the best players in the NBA are making $200 plus million over five years compared yeah. to NHL players making half of that over seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, the the McDavid deal is the biggest deal we have right now, right? Yep. And, I, I don't know, depending on how many years are left or whatever, but... Yeah, I just... I, I Over the life of that contract. Yeah, yeah, it's been the biggest one then, I think, pretty sure. Um, certainly in recent... I mean, that was that was eight years, 100 million on the nose. You know, so. and and sixteen percent of the cap, which is a big number. We we talk about percentage of cap hit, and it's like a lot of these guys. It's like oh, seven percent or four percent or whatever, but just under seventeen percent for that contract. It's a huge deal, and there's a reason it's still being chased because it was he was that much better than everybody at the time. I mean, you look at his own teammate, Leon you know, Leon Dreisaitl only got eight and a half. And certainly he didn't have the start that McDavid did. But he's but, exploded, yeah. Yeah, he was pretty good. I mean, the other contract, Jack Eichel, also not as good those first couple of years as uh, McDavid was, also couldn't stay healthy. So he took a little bit, he took a little bit less. And his was eight years, 10 mil, 80 million. Yeah. So, you know, like and, these guys and the big difference is, is that these guys aren't signing it and you're not having the conversation of, well, we'll, we'll see where he requests to trade in, in a couple of years and two or three years. Right. Because with, with the Giannis deal, we were talking about it and it was like, I joked about it on Twitter where I was like, oh, in two years, he'll request a trade to the Lakers because the Bucks will have fallen out of contention and you can just do that in the NBA. You can just hold a franchise hostage. And some of that is because singular talents have that much impact in the NBA. And in the NHL, like you can go, you look at Connor McDavid as the ultimate example. He's the best player. He's the highest paid player. And I actually, and I actually looked this up because of exactly what you said, that this pension in the NBA for super teams to end up forming at some point. Looking at the Hart Trophy winners over the last decade, only one of them has ended up playing. Well, two of them, sorry, have ended up playing for a second team. One of those being Taylor Hall, who left in free agency just over the summer from Arizona, was also traded a couple times. And the other is Corey Perry, who really only moved to Dallas in the twilight of his career as, as yeah. things were winding down. He got bought out because he got yeah. old and bad. Right. And there's a couple more. If you go back to 2000, you get Joe Thornton, who was actually traded in the year he won the MVP, Marty St. Louis, Peter Forsberg. But in the NHL, if you have an MVP caliber player, the vast majority of those guys are playing for the team they're on for life. Yeah. Whereas in the NBA, you're you could be gone next year. Well, and even even in MLB, with the even with this exploitative system. Yeah, those guys, those guys leave all the time. Yep. I mean, Mookie Betts, Boston had Mookie Betts, one of the richest franchises, had Mookie Betts and gave him away for ten cents on the dollar. 
to because they wanted to use it as a chance to dump a different bad contract. Yep. It's in it's very incredible how how things are built, and the M the MLBs is one in particular that's tough. Uh, the NHL not as bad, but you're not a free agent in the NHL until most of your at youngest you'd be 25 as a free agent in the NHL. So we've yeah, talked, we've we've talked, old. yeah, right. We've talked before about as, if you're not 18, if you enter the league at 20 or later, you're not a free agent until 27. And then yeah. you really get one chance to sign a real contract to make a lot of money. Yeah, and the big thing is, and that's for the middle class guys, right? That's for the the because the the one thing that the NHL has, I think, done well is that its young players are getting paid earlier than ever. Yep. You know, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr has fifty seven regular season NHL games played, and if he signed a contract tonight, paying him nine million dollars over the next eight years, there would be. A parade in Denver tomorrow. Yep. The the three year ELC with the opportunity for young players that are good enough to play in the NHL to burn years off of it does work quite well for the top end young players. It does, yeah, because you look at you look at the guys who are taking advantage. It happens every year now. It's now standard procedure for teams, <clears throat> especially to lure guys out of college. It's the big thing. If you draft a college guy, that's the, it's happening. Yep. The only the only reason we aren't talking about it as a more legitimate option for Alex Newhook is the abs are just too good. Yeah, they have too many centers already. <laughs> they're they're deeper than your average team. Otherwise, we'd absolutely be looking at this season and being like, okay, well, when does Alex Newhook show up? And even then, uh, even with that conversation, there it's not off the table that it, somewhere at the end of Alex Newhook's season this year, he comes in and plays games in the NHL. Yeah. So, I depending on kind of where the world sits, yeah, it would not be a remotely surprising thing to see him be part of a Colorado Eagle playoff run. It wouldn't even be unprecedented either. It's a pretty normal thing for guys of his caliber. Right. So it's it's kind of a fluid conversation there a, a little bit. But what what are the – I know the baseball limits are absolutely horrible with that, but for the younger guys. Well, it's the arbitration system is so punishing for young guys where they just yeah. go based off history. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is your first year eligible? You could a guy could win MVP in his first three years, and he'll make like five million dollars. Yeah, and you're like, what the hell? It's brutal. What is this? And on on the flip side, you know, you saw the NFL spiral out of control, playing paying quarterbacks that never go on to play a game fifty, sixty million dollars. Right. I mean, you look at you look at uh, they had to change the system because veteran players lost their minds when. Sam Bradford got drafted first overall and signed a $50 million guaranteed contract before ever playing it down in the NFL. He signed 50 million guaranteed. They went to a slotting system after that because veteran players were like, dude, no, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like I worked my whole career trying to do that. And you guys just blew up your salary cap for a kid. Yep. So Hmm. 
it, it's a bit of a mystery top to bottom there. We do have to take our second period break here with Hassle Cattle Company. Hassle Cattle Company equals hassle-free meat life. That's right. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're bringing you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They'll ship all over the beautiful USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breed Breed them with Angus cows, give you that very, to give you that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head on over to HassleCattleCompany.com, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com, and use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. Any orders over $200 get free shipping. Be sure to check them out. We promise you will not be disappointed. We actually got a little sampler shipped to us. I'm having their Wagyu burgers tonight for dinner. So I am super excited. I will get back to you on that and let you guys know. I'm sure they're absolutely delicious. I can't wait for dinner as soon as this podcast is over. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ, the ads have had many... Big names come through their doors over the years, certainly in the first decade of their existence, and seemingly again as as they're rising to power again, it feels. But who are the unsung heroes? Who are the underrated Avs in their time as a franchise? I'm sure there's a lot of names that people feel, and I think we need to start this conversation with the fact that The ABS fan base and the national perception, I think, are quite different on who on the ABS is significantly underrated. Yeah, I think a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah. um, Because there's just a different feel for the franchises at that point. When you get to watch this team every day and and see things that, you know, the national media gets what, uh, 10, 15, 20 games a year if they're extremely good. But yeah, maybe, you know, but. And a lot of those will come in the playoffs again if they're extremely good. Yep. A lot of a lot of player perception on a national level is built in the postseason when they have the most exposure. Yep. It's also when the games are most important. So that's why you get the loser narrative for guys who are on iffy teams that can't win playoff rounds. For sure. Definitely a fair take there, but you you dive into to some of these guys and when you talk about underrated players the national media will end up underrating people because of one bad playoff run essentially at times yeah or a lack of playoff runs or you know whatever whatever it ends up whatever the factors end up being it's always it's always circumstance that that ends up driving a national narrative. Yep. The local one, I think, when we talk about underrated guys, I, I we have to talk about Varley. Yeah, I agree. He was a really good goaltender in his career. 
Um, and the reason that I'm dismissing the David Abisher, because every time I talk about Varley, there's one guy who comes out of the one work and is like, David Abisher. And like David Abisher was a really good backup. He had one great year as a starter and then completely fell apart and was out of the league. I mean, it's not just that. It's certainly from the Colorado's perspective, he just wasn't a starter for long enough yeah. to to establish himself in Colorado. Yeah, like he was he was the man in waiting and then he was gone in the blink of an eye. Yep. You know, he had one he had one iffy playoff, you know, postseason performance where he wasn't very good and you know, had no leash after that. Certainly, when we were talking about Pierre Lacroix, that's one of the legacies that he had is that yep. he wasn't was going to wait around. Yeah. Yeah. He, there wasn't a lot of patience for a young guy, especially a young guy that had been waiting in the wings. And it was like, okay, we're turning over a cup contending roster to you. Don't screw this up. And then he did. Yep. But with Varley, Varley didn't have cup contending rosters in front of him. And that guy competed. You know, we people people obsess over the injuries. Oh, he was always hurt. He was always this. And as is often the case, it just was greatly overstated. It's, he he played f- more than 50 games the majority of his abs career. The last two years, the last two years when he was kind of splitting time. Eh, eh, um you know, was right on that 50 game mark, but most of the time played 50 games. And there were just the two years where he didn't. And one of those was the lockout year. And even then a lot of those years, the 50 game workload for an avalanche goaltender in that time frame was absurd. <laughs> You're regularly seeing this guy face 40 shots a night. Like it was so much work was put on Varley in that position. And I think the other part of this conversation in goaltender specifically is how spoiled the avalanche fan base was for the first seven, eight, nine years of their existence because they didn't even have to think about their goaltender every single night. Mm -hmm. It was, it was Patrick. Wah. anything less than greatness in goal. It was a disappointment for a long time. Well, and you still look at Patrick Waugh's numbers. Like statistic, even considering the era, he still has the highest save percentage. Yep. So, you know, like of the of the big time starters of the guys who played a lot of games, he's still the guy. So it's he was legitimately just an absolute horse. Yep. Patrick Waugh, Patrick Waugh again, like Sidney Crosby. That except he didn't come. He didn't come with those expectations. He just showed up. And just started winning cups and Vesnas and Con Smythe, and you were like, "Wow, okay," and just did it through he a came whole to career. Colorado with those expectations, maybe, but and yeah, he did, and uh, he won two Stanley Cups and a Con Smythe after yep. getting to the Avs. Yep, like the rare, the rare great player that absolutely lived up to the hype when he got here. Yep, and you know with Varley. They got they got the prime out of this guy, you know. They they got him when he was twenty three years old. They just couldn't and, build a decent team in front of him. Yeah, like he had he had a couple of really iffy years, like no doubt. It wasn't like I'm not going to sit here and say 
guy was nails every year. He had a couple of years where he was just not very good. But for the most part, he was great. He was above average. And then he had the one exceptional season that we talked about yesterday. Yep. And we've said this before, too, but for our money, far and away the second best goalie in Avalanche history so far. And that's that's where when we talk about like underrated abs, I think the vast majority of abs fans would tell you Varley is the second best abs goalie. There will be your Abisher fans and then any other argument. And I people who forgot Craig wrong. Anderson's bad yes. years or something. Well, forgot like Craig Craig Anderson only had two seasons. We had one really good year and then one, one really mediocre one. year. Yeah. And then he got traded in the mediocre one. So it was like like Philip Grubauer has a more complete body of work than Craig Anderson at this point. So, yep. you know, like there were some guys in there. Anyway, my point is that I think abs fans have properly rated Varley as the second best abs goaltender, but, but don't how necessarily, good that actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't really appreciate that. He was really solid in his abs career. Sure. Uh, Brad Francis messaged Sam Gerard. Still arguably the most underrated on the current Avs team, nationally, anyway. I'm fine with that. Like, okay. sure. He's he's small, he's quiet, he's misunderstood. He's always going to be underrated. So let's talk about all-time skaters, then, for underrated. Because it gets a lot more difficult when you can't just look at, oh, well, of course we underrate goaltenders because Patrick Wall was a thing. I think there's one really, really obvious answer here to me that's always kind of felt pretty obvious. And I think it's got to be Sandus Ozelinch, man. He... Look, there have always been offensive defensemen, but they were not near as common in that era. Uh, He was kind of the prototype of the future Tyson Berries and... uh, not much lesser extent, like a Kale McCarr type of player, but certainly the offensive ability from a defenseman like that. And and look, I mean, you had, he wasn't the only one, but now every team has one or two or even three of that guy on their team. Yeah. I mean, super underappreciated and see, this is why foot isn't the answer. Foot's jerseys retired. Yeah, Adam Foote is heralded as like the best defenseman in Avs history. No one, nobody who put Adam Foote on the Colorado Avalanche Mount Rushmore can come and tell me that he's underrated. Okay, even if even if you extended Mount Rushmore to a a couple of extra guys that he gets on there, like Adam Adam Foote is, I think, properly rated as. You know, not as good as Rob Blake was, but he was here longer, and so you kind of value him a little more. Uh, Adam Foote is extraordinarily well respected around the league. I yeah. don't think there's, I don't think there's any conversation about Adam Foote at all. People yeah, loved yeah. Adam Foote, and properly, they they feared Adam Foote, and properly, He's very much a face of the dead puck era on defense. Like. Right, he was right up there with uh, with the, the the Darian Hatchers of the world. Just yep. big, physical, mean defenseman that made your life a living hell. You want you want you want to ask about respect for Adam Foot? Just go talk to Keith Kachuk sometime. See what he has to say about him. The guy probably still wakes up in cold sweats thinking about what Foot did to him in the postseason. So, for me, I'm th- for me, I've got to go with Ozil Lynch because his his. In this era, 
Ozil Lynch would be revered. Yep. We would talk about him. He'd be an analytics darling. We would love the guy, right? Yeah, that's in his in his era, it was all about the Adam Foot types were the guys. Yep. Like the Adam Foot types were the guys that teams were trying to build around. It's why guys like Eric Branson got drafted in the top five because they were always looking for the NHL teams were always looking for those types of guys. Only in recent years have the Kale McCars started getting drafted that high because the NHL said, we want guys who can skate pucks out of the zone and attack. And there was nobody better than that. Like there were some great offensive defensemen of the era. You think about Sergei Gonchar and, and Zubov. Those guys could move pucks, but none of them attacked the same way yeah. that Ozil Lynch did. Truly, with the like, particularly in the offensive zone, you know, the, it, there was an era there of, of guys with big slap shots and, and things like that, but Ozo would penetrate the offensive zone and find ways to score with finesse. I mean, constantly jumping into the play. Constantly. Yeah. And I mean, he's still the third highest scoring defenseman in Avs history. Uh, if you don't count Kale McCarr because it's still too early, he's the second highest in points per game in Avs defenseman history, behind Ray freaking Bork. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at it. He's he has the highest. We were talking about Avs winning um, awards the other day. You know. He's the only, I believe he's the only top three finisher for a Norris trophy uh, in Ab's history. I think Blake had a third or a second, but I thought, I thought he was like fifth, but anyway, point is, is that he came as close as anybody ever has yeah. to winning a Norris as, as an Av. He also has the highest scoring uh, year in, in Ab's history for a defenseman with that 68 point year. That was also, of course, the Norris year. Yep. Um, and he scored 23 goals that year. Like, he was unbelievable. And we were all, we always joke about, oh, he was no defense. You know, some other names in that chat has brought up, like Adam Deadmarsh. Adam Deadmarsh is revered by the fan base. Yep. That remembers him. Certainly not underrated um, locally. Valerie Kamensky, I believe, uh, would be a good candidate at forward because he was just so good. One of the few ads players to pull off an actual point per game season. Over a full year, he was unreal good. He was just a little too old at the time. Like he got, he got, he got to the NHL late, and we missed out on a great NHL career from him. But what he did have was really good. He was such a skilled player, and I think a good candidate. Dario likes to bring up Scott Young as a good, good candidate. Scott Young was a player, man. He was a really good goal scorer in that era that gets overlooked because he was quiet and just kind of went about his business, did his thing. Was a really good player for a long time. And, you know, we also have uh, John Clem. John Clem in this, in, in we, we stand John Clem on this podcast uh, yeah. after the rewatch that, yeah. after DMVR watches during the first stages of the pandemic. Unsung hero for sure. Yeah. But underrated, like he was, he was just like, um, I mean, you'd, I put, I would put John Clem in the same category that I would put, uh, Kurt Sauer, like really solid defenseman, 
Yeah. But like a good depth guy. Sure. It, it's it's tough to gauge those guys on underratedness, right? Because Kurt Sauer? Uh, is that the right one or is it the other one? Did you not Jeff Finger? Yeah, did you do? Did you pull a Toronto and and confuse him with Jeff Finger? <laughs> it's not Jeff. No, I definitely know that's not the guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's tough. It's tough looking through this list. I would say another one, um, Carlos Grastich, man. Yeah, I don't think he was that underrated locally. A lot of people loved him in his time here. I just. He was he was really good. Ruslan Soleil wasn't very good as an F. Yeah, okay. I don't necessarily disagree. Like, R.I.P. Sad what happened, but you know. And should we have he this? A, he was a, he was a really good pro. He had a good career. Like Greg Zanin had a really good career, and then he got to Colorado, and it was like, we got the bad. All right. Let's play. Let's underrated, overrated by the Avs fan base. Ooh, okay. Matt Duchesne and Ryan O'Reilly. Depends on the person. They're both. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are some people that tell you Ryan O'Reilly's in one of the top five centers in the NHL, and that's crazy. Yeah, definitely. There, was, there will be people who tell you Matt Duchesne is a, a legit 1C, super high end, whatever. That's crazy too. Yep. Um, they're both they're both, I think, really high end two C's at the end of the day. <laughs> so the jury's the, the still out. Is, yeah. The the fact is is that they were better together than apart. That is true. No argument. Because that. together together they should have it should have been a one and two C. They should have been a two headed nightmare for teams for years to come. All right, let's throw in the let's throw the third C into that conversation then. Paul Stastny. I think underrated. People forget how great he was at the beginning of his career and then are still salty that he decided to leave in free agency. Yeah. Which was totally within his rights. He's allowed to do what he wants. People act like he was some backstabbing POS and he just wasn't. Yeah, the Blues just offered him a silly amount of money. They offered him. They offered him a contract. The Avs were comfortable, but he wanted to. He wanted to go back home. Yeah, you know, he grew up there. He didn't grow up here, even though he went to DU and his family had the franchise ties to in Quebec. But he didn't grow up here. This wasn't his home. It was St. Louis. Was he wanted to go play for the Blues? There you go. That simple. Yeah, yeah. and I have no problems with that. I have no problems with the fact that Ryan O'Reilly wanted to get paid. That doesn't bother me either. I don't blame him for that. I blame the apps for being cheap. They could have gotten him on a deal for five and a half million and they got cute because Matt Duchesne took a three and a half million dollar deal coming off of injury in his third year. That screwed everything up. Yep. So man, those were that should have been Stasny should have been able to age perfectly. Uh, That could have been such a good team, but wasn't. I mean, Nathan McKinnon was even on a team with all of those guys. Yep. I don't know how you screw that up. <laughs> well, they're better than ever. And it's yeah. like one of those guys remains and they're better than ever. Yeah, it's, it's, it is crazy how that 
all played out. But yeah, I've, they I've, screwed that up, rebuilt the whole thing, made it better, and then built a killer defense. I'm still curious how the Avs fan base will feel about those three guys like 10 years from now as their careers end and the Avs create new history for themselves. But I think if this era, when if these, this, these guys win a cup, I think everybody will just kind of shrug and be like lost era. I mean, is is because I think most as fans already consider the, the Svatos Volsky era lost as well. Yeah, well, those guys just never took that next step. Right. I mean, they never the guys, you know. There was never even the thought that that team could have competed. They didn't have the 13-14 year or anything like that, but Yeah. That's true. Those guys all did create that one special year. Yep. You know, Duchesne and O'Reilly and Duchesne was obviously the bigger face of it, but their rookie year as well in 09 and 10. Yep. And getting back to the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, and I do think this Jimmy's comments of he has more love for Paul and O'Reilly than Duchesne. I think it's interesting because O'Reilly demanded to be traded out of Colorado the same way that Duchesne did. Duchesne at least Duchesne at least publicly announce it. Yeah. Well, and like like Duchesne gave it a whirl. He signed a long term contract and he tried and he tried. And then he eventually did what he thought was best for him. And I think that's fine. I don't think I don't know what the problem is. Like it's not a betrayal if a guy says, I just don't want to do this anymore. I've got a, this relationship isn't working. It clearly wasn't working for the organization either. They did the same thing. They both asked out. They both asked out mid-contract. Duchesne was just painted as the villain and the reason that the entire era failed. And everybody else blamed the abs for everything O'Reilly related, even though he was by far trying to be the greediest young player in the entire NHL at the time. He had one 50-point season and asked for a long-term deal, paying him $5.5 million, when teams simply didn't do that back then. That was when P.K. PK Subban, PK Subban got the, the bridge deal coming off of a Norris season from Montreal. Like That was how things worked out. It's just, um, it amazes me the way that perception has evolved around those two guys. They did the same thing, and Duchesne is the bad guy, and O'Reilly's the good guy. O'Reilly won a freaking cup with a division rival. And Stassi didn't do anything, which is kind of the mark of his, really, like, the real mark of his career. Yeah. I'd... Like, of the of them, like, Stassi should have been the biggest betrayal because he, cho- he had a chance to sign the same contract, same money, and all that, stay in Colorado, and he was like, nah, I'm out of here. I don't begrudge any of those guys, personally. I'm a player empowerment guy. I'm a get your bag and get get paid kind of guy. So I don't I don't tend to hold it against players when that's what they they want to do. But they all did what they thought was best and they walked. I think that's okay. Like and and oh, it took a while, but the Avs ended up better for it. Why why the fan base needs to demonize guys that don't want to be there anymore? We all come to a point in our lives where we don't want to continue in a situation in which we are unhappy. Why should why should we continue to hold it against guys when it's like this isn't working, this relationship is toxic and it's failing. You must stay in it for my happiness. Are like what? No. But don't even get us started on Tyson Jost out here. 
And, yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole other bag of psychological issues, right? <laughs> Indeed. But anyway, we somehow managed to turn this episode into an hour-long show. So uh, we're going to get out of here for the day. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We appreciate all of you so very much. Have a couple more episodes with Evan coming on on Thursday and Friday for you guys. And, yeah, then we'll see. Um, with Christmas coming up next week and, and New Year's the week after, our schedule might be a little bit wonky, but we'll still have shows for you at least some of the next couple of weeks. So, so keep that tuned in, and we should be starting up our season preview work shortly after that or, or maybe in the middle of, of that week, the second week out here. We'll see. Anyway, lots of awesome stuff planned. Looking forward to seeing all of y'all in the chat or otherwise. Uh, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. That's one of the help, things that helps us the most over here at DNVR. If you're feeling really generous, maybe buy a subscription to the DNVR.com. You can check out all of our amazing other content over there as well. On that note, I will see you all tomorrow.